The homily is based on today's gospel reading, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, and I hope you will take time to read the sacred text and pray with it. The opening verse sets the tone for everything else the Lord said to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. Our tendency is to respectfully tune the Lord out. Perhaps because we've heard these words so often. Yeah, yeah, heard that before. <laughs> Got it, fine. Move on. What's next? We may have heard the words, but not their meaning. And because we don't know their meaning, the words seem empty. We moderns uncritically assume that the words used in Scripture always have the meaning we attach to them, forgetting that language changes and develops over time, and quite often the original sense of the words gets lost. We do this for all kinds of non-biblical words as well. Take the word discrimination, for example. Now, originally it meant, and according to the Webster Dictionary, it still technically means to mark or perceive distinguishing or peculiar features, to differentiate, to distinguish by discerning or exposing differences. The word, however, is almost exclusively used in the negative sense of being unjust in how one treats others. If you say to someone, you are discriminating, you're basically calling that person maybe a racist or a bigot. It's the equivalent of declaring that person to be evil. The original meaning of making careful distinctions is all but forgotten. In a similar way, many words used in Scripture very often have to be explained according to how they were used in a certain period of time or we miss out on the richness of their meaning. Today's opening gospel verse is a classic example. When Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, he's not addressing the troubling emotions we may have at a particular moment. He's not saying, there, there, don't be upset or dry your eyes. Everything's going to be just fine. You wait and see. Our emotions are certainly important. They're a part of our humanity. That was true for people in Jesus' day as well. But we moderns have to consider how the ancients, how Jesus understood, used, and heard the word heart. For them, the heart was not just about the emotions or the passions. Rather, it referred to the mind, to reason, the intellect, the passions, and the soul. In other words, the word heart meant the entire human person. Jesus understood a basic principle we moderns have overlooked. If one of us is part as one of us, if one part of us is out of whack, the odds are pretty good the whole of us will be out of whack. If you, a loved one, a good friend, ever suffered from depression, for example, you know there are not only emotional but cognitive and physical problems as well that impact 
the well-being of the whole person. The ancients, Jesus, understood this quite well. So when the Lord said to his disciples and says to us, through his living word proclaimed in his body the church, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. He is telling us that we must not allow anything we endure in this life to become more important than our relationship with him, for it is in that relationship we find not only our secure connection with his Father, but an inner peace that allows us to preserve our wholeness, maintain our sense of purpose, and the energy to persevere even when everything around us is in a state of chaos. Jesus' words are especially vital today as we struggle with a very uncertain future that is the product not only of a virus we do not fully understand, but the consequences of government policies, some of which are questionable, that have disrupted and destroyed the livelihoods of millions of our people, putting them perilously close to, if not already in, poverty, which has the potential to wreak far more damage to our society than the virus. Many have had their very being shaken to its core, and we have only begun to feel the effects this disease and the responses to it are having. It is in the midst of all this uncertainty about the future, the immense personal and societal struggles of the here and now, and the many legitimate fears being generated that Jesus says to us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not allow who you are, a being made in the love and image of my Father, to be thrown out of whack, to be lost or redefined by others. Do not allow the chaos to distract you from the reality. I am with you. I am calling you by your name. I'm giving you the strength to hope. I'm giving you the power to keep moving forward. I'm giving you a heart of charity that even as you suffer, you will not become embittered by it, but transcend it and help others as best you can who are also suffering. Now, I admit... That sounds all warm and fuzzy. You might say it's a form of escapism from the harsh realities we are facing and shall most likely have to continue to face for quite some time. I don't experience Jesus' words as either warm and fuzzy or as escapism. Why? In the very next verse, the Lord says, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, if there were not, would I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. What is Jesus saying? Is he referring to high-end condominiums with an ocean view and concierge service with cocktails at four every afternoon? Hey, sign me up! Again, the issue is what words meant at a particular time. The expression, many dwelling places, in antiquity, 
did indeed refer to multiple living units, but with one critical feature. They all faced a commonly shared courtyard, meaning no one is excluded from intimacy with Jesus, with his Father, and with each other. But notice what Jesus says, and if I go to prepare a place for you. Now, what does that mean? When I was in the seminary back in the 80s, and utterly disgusted with the bishops of the church, and to be brutally honest, was ready to bolt out of the church completely, I came across a commentary on St. John's Gospel written by St. Cyril of Alexandria, who lived between 375 and 444. It was on this verse the saint wrote, he, Jesus, leaves in order to secure the way to the mansions above. Now, and listen to this, to prepare a passage of safety for you and to smooth the paths that were formerly impassable. From St. Cyril's perspective, Jesus was not focusing on the dwelling places, the goal, but rather on the long and hard and often brutal process of getting there. And that made perfect sense to me. It still does. Jesus, even now, is clearing a passage of safety for us through this global crisis, smoothing the paths that would otherwise make the journey impassable. How? He reminds us by his voice in the gospel proclaimed in his church of the infinite worth he sees in us, the infinite value his father created us with, the fullness of dignity we are called to that no crisis has the power to strip away from us. He reminds us what a gift we are to each other, no matter what happens. All that and so much more is contained in that simple sentence, do not let your hearts be troubled. And if at times we hear the words, but they don't resonate with us, stop and think of what the words mean. And then you will find your hope, your peace.